what can I say of the great peak? The ancient dukedoms are everywhere green, inspired and stirred by a breath of creation, with the twin forces, the Champions League and the Premier League presumably, balancing day and night, I bear my breast toward opening clouds. I strain my sight after birds flying home. When shall I reach the top and hold all mountains in a single glance? Welcome to episode 22 of Cop On Podcast, you delightful little butterfly. We are 57.8947368421% of the way through the Premier League season being 22 matches and Liverpool's mighty hammer needs to be wrenched out of Brighton's head and swished towards Roy Hodgson's Crystal Palace Eagles on Saturday. Welcome one, welcome all, wherever you are. First up, going to get right into it today. First up, I was delighted, absolutely thrilled, that Nick Philpot from Red and Blue News, that's a Crystal Palace fan page on Facebook, joined me for a conversation previewing Saturday's gargantuan so, Nick, thank you very much for joining me again. It's absolutely super of you. So happy to have you back. Um, how's uh, Red and Blue News going? Red and Blue News, thank you for asking, and thank you for having me back on again. Red and Blue News is going from strength to strength. We are now the largest Crystal Palace uh, page by, by a long Facebook page, and we are the only Crystal Palace page to have a... Uh, to to be live on the, on Facebook and do do a, like a TV show, uh, we've also just secured ourselves a huge sponsor, uh, which I won't go into details on, but uh, for monetary reasons and for equipment and all the rest of it, it's going to help us massively going forward. So we are delighted with its progress, going from strength to strength. Thank you. Well, fantastic! Congratulations. That sounds brilliant. And yeah, you never know. Maybe Cop on Podcast might uh, get a sponsor one day. But at the moment, I have to have to pay for my own. Uh, material and eat toast to afford it for about a month but there you go it's all good you can, fun you can tell my heart's bleeding for you Owen. I'm, I'm, sure I'm sure it is i'm sure it is i'm sure it is the palace uh you're 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 14th in the league if i'm not mistaken um and uh the, in the last five games it's been up and down you you drew with cardiff at home you lost away to chelsea no disgrace there one nil um you beat wolves away great result. Uh, you qualified in the FA Cup by beating Grimsby at home, um, but the last time out, unfortunately, you lost against Watford. Um, how's the mood with yourself and amongst the Palace fans? Well, you've actually missed out uh, one result, OK? And that was prior to all of that. It was the biggest result of the season, of course, so far, has been that we are the only team to have beaten Man City on their own turf. Uh, it's the first time We'd secured a result in Manchester on both clubs in 28 years with the Andros Townsend wonder goal, if you remember. But you're quite right. The the results have been checkered recently, up and down. 
I went to I've been to the Grimsby game. I went away to Wolves. Um, they, they played magnificently away at Wolves and played appallingly at home to the second tier Grimsby Town. Um, so yeah, you don't know what Palace is going to turn up on the day, unfortunately, and that, that, hence why they're finding themselves in this position. Um, yeah, it's been a difficult, difficult uh, Christmas period. I, th- I think overall we'd be quite satisfied with our results over the Christmas period. But it's you know we now need to find a couple more decent results and push ourselves up the league. Yeah, and uh, well, I mean, let's talk about that City match then. That was before the the Cardiff game. I mean, absolutely terrific. Um, I mean, going into the game, I mean, were you expecting an onslaught? Were you expecting a pummeling from Guardiola's? Graceful heroes, as the media like to portray them, or were you, you know, confident, confident of a sneaky win? No, 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 no. Our entire team uh, of on red and blue news were the the average was four nil defeat. Okay, and one of them <laughs> even went one one of them even predicted a six nil defeat. I thought we might get one goal. I thought we might score a goal, and even that would have been an achievement. But to come away from uh, the Etihad with all three points was just outstanding and beyond our wildest dreams. And all of a sudden, then you think, "Hang on a minute, is our is our season now going to turn around?" We've, you know, we've actually pulled in a decent result against them. And don't forget, Wolves are no mean pushovers either. They're, I think, in the top seven of the league, and we went up there and turned them over on their own place. And then we come home and and we draw against Cardiff and struggle to get through to the next round of the the fourth round of the FA Cup against Little Grimsby Town, who it has to be said, if anybody didn't see the game that day, Grimsby Town, uh, there was a twenty thousand near sellout at Sellers Park that day, and six thousand of them were Grimsby fans. They travelled in that they took over one quarter of the stadium they were magnificent the Grimsby South fans so big credit to them and but we're, we're through to the next round of the FA Cup as well so and we've got another home t- tie against a little club called Tottenham Hotspur or something I don't know who they are but that's who we're playing <laughs> that's who we're playing in the next round of the FA Cup wow yeah that, that could be very exciting very exciting but uh Hodgson then I mean yes not doing so well at home then um, but uh, I mean, it, does that affect uh, people's views of, of Roy Hodgson? You're still very much behind him as a sort of local lad. Wonderful question, because that is a perfect question to ask, because there is a little bit of reticence creeping in now. The, the issue we have with Roy Hodgson as a fan base, and this is not me or my little show that we do. Uh, the issue we have with Roy Hodgson is his dis- decision making process. He's very staid in his ways. Away from home, he's, he's fine. He's playing a 4 5 1. Not, I haven't got any problem with that at all. Uh, and we're breaking from midfield and defence and causing those upsets that we've already discussed. But at home, he's playing a strict 4-4-3 system. And he's not allowing the likes of Zaha and Townsend to swap sides, OK? Now, um, you know, even, even when we were struggling a couple of seasons ago under Allardyce, the one thing they gave Zaha was the freedom to uh, jump over from the right wing to the left wing and back again. And Townsend would support him and go to the other side. The trouble with Palace at the moment is they're a little bit predictable, especially at home. And it, and now the the Crystal Palace faithful, some of them are starting to get to the stage where do you know what this 72 year old man now needs to maybe get himself a car rug and go down to Brighton Seafront and sit down there with his wife for a couple of days a week because uh, they are 
they are getting a little bit concerned about something. You know, the trouble is we've got no succession management at Palace. This is the issue that we really have. You know, I've got no problem with Roy Hodgson and his experience and as a coach and as a trainer. No problem with that whatsoever. But what we don't have in place is succession management. We need somebody younger in the wings to when when uh, Roy does bow out and hopefully he bows out gracefully and Palace will be his last club. He'll move upstairs into the boardroom, maybe a director of football, something like that, after he's bought and nurtured through the, ne- the next generation coach. Unfortunately, Steve Parrish, or oh, our budget doesn't allow us to do that sort of thing. It'll probably be something you do at Anfield because you have the, the facilities to do it and you have the clout to do it. Sadly, at Palace, we do not. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, we're just going to get Stephen Gerrard when uh, when Klopp finishes his seven-year contract. I've, I, I mean, I could feel that one coming. Uh, but uh, yes, um, but uh, no, stick stick with Palace and Zaha, who you mentioned there. Yes, um, I, I don't know. I put him in my fantasy team at the start of the season, and he didn't pick up many points. Is he? What? I mean, what's wrong with him? Is it just the fact that he's not swapping the wings, like you say, or is there something? I mean, he's still he's still your danger man, right? Of course, you know, he's, he he's, our, he's our danger man. He's our talisman. But um, he is unfortunately he's playing, especially at home. He is playing in a system uh, whereby it's a rigid system, not allowing him the flexibility to swap around. And that's purely and simply down to the uh, coaching tactics of the, of the manager. I mean, make no mistake, Palace are making the chances. In our last six games, we have created 106 chances, 106 attempts at goal and scored, I believe it's five or six. Not acceptable. Now, that, a lot of that is down to the fact that our main threat of a striker who you know very well and good, of course, Mr. Benteke has been mm. out long term injured, injured, uh, mm-hmm. and we've been and we've been dealing with the likes of a loan from Swansea, Jordan Ayew, who scored his first goal at uh, Molyneux, a uh, two-one victory at Molyneux a couple of weeks ago, and he went on to score the winner against Grimsby Town. But I've just found out in the last hour, I've got some exclusive news for mm. the for your podcast. Okay, excellent. This has not even been announced by Crystal Palace Football Club and it hasn't been confirmed. So this is this is how hot off the press it is. It hasn't even been released to the Crystal Palace fan base yet. But uh, the two goalkeepers, our first and second choice goalkeepers, Wayne Hennessy, Welsh International, and Vincente Guaita, both picked up injuries on Saturday. Now, uh, Guaita went off after 43 minutes with what looked like a calf strain and it, it seems to be appears to be a tear as opposed to a strain so he's going to be out for some time uh, Hennessy came on made a couple of flaps he was responsible for certainly for the first goal against this on against Watford on Saturday uh, and he's also got a I think they call it a quad injury now there in itself gives Liverpool the opportunity at the weekend because all it leaves us with as cover is the very aging Julian Speroni. Okay, he's now, still around. He's he's our he's he's our third wow. choice goalkeeper. Okay, and the problem with that is without Speroni, okay, there is nobody else. We do not have any other backup goalkeeper. We don't even have any kids coming through the system. So there is an issue there. Um, so we're about to play the most prolific strike force in the Premier League this season. On what season? Liverpool are having so congratulations to all of you guys out there um, but you're not going to have you. a, a you're not have a, an awful lot of worries on Saturday because we don't have a, an experienced goalkeeper Julian Speroni has I, I believe he played in goal against Grimsby Town but it's the only competitive match he's had all season and he will be playing on Saturday 
They say, not even announced by the club yet, but you're getting it from me first. That's incredible. Well, thanks for that exclusive, Nick. That's very, yeah, I feel very honoured about that. But when, when, I mean, apart from Grimsby, I mean, did he even play last year, Spironi? A fairly decent couple last year, and Spironi played in most of the games then. Um, uh, he's He has been on the fringes quite a lot this season. Hennessy was out for a couple of games a few weeks ago, and Spironi has been on the bench. So he's been there or thereabouts, OK? Uh, they gave him an extension a couple of years ago. They gave him an extension, a uh, two-year contract, which surprised us all because we thought he was going to retire then. OK, but he hasn't, and he didn't. Uh, but he will certainly retire at the end of this season. And I would assume he goes into our coaching, uh, our coaching staff, I would guess. Um, but it's... For him to be making his Premier League uh, first appearance this weekend against the title, chances are they're going to be the title-winning champions of Liverpool Football Club. Paul, I feel actually quite quite sorry for him. Oh well, yeah. I mean that, but that last sentence you said there brings brings joy to my heart. I mean, it's been such a long time for Liverpool. Do you think we can do it? Do you think we can be champions this year from the outside? It, put it this way, it's Liverpool's to lose. I think uh, it, we have done you a massive favour getting you though, taking those three points out of the Etihad. Um, we have done well against the higher teams this season, OK? No question about it. Uh, of course, on a selfish person, point of view, I'm hoping that we're going to do it again this weekend. That's that's my heart. My head says that we're going to get a spanking, probably three or four nil. Um, we, we, certainly, we certainly helped you on your way to your... First Premier League in whatever it is. Oh, it's first Premier League in history, isn't it? Am I right in saying well, that? Yes, yeah. I mean, the last time it was the old First Division. In... First Division, and yeah, I remember yeah. it well. And it's yeah. uh, it's one of those things where I honestly honestly believe that it's Liverpool's to lose. Uh, that you know they have got history of maybe not carrying through their promise to the end. If you remember what we call we commonly call at Sellers Park, we call it Cristian Ball. Chris Ball was the season whereby uh, you were winning 3-0 at Sellers Park and Dwight yes. Gale pulled it back to 3-3. We call that, you, yeah. you call you Chris Ball, OK? Well, Suarez was crying at the end. I still cry about it sometimes. I was crying about it in the shower this morning, yeah. <laughs> yes, it's terrible memories for us, but yes, it must be joyful for you. So, I mean, yeah, it was a hell of a football match. Um, it was amazing, yeah, absolutely. But, uh, you, um, yeah, OK, and... Uh, I don't know. Um, if you were so, presumably he's going to set up with a four-five-one, as you mentioned. That's what you expect from from Hodgson this weekend. And uh, do you have any particular weaknesses that Liverpool can exploit apart from the thirty-nine-year-old? I've just googled it. Uh, goalkeeper Speroni. There you go. Um, I, I'm going to give you a, a, a possibility of one that you may well be aware of and you will be very familiar with. Uh, the other bit of exclusive news that hasn't been announced by the club, although it's only just come out on Snapchat in the last few minutes before we came on air, was our loan signing from uh, Swansea, Jordan Ayew, is sitting on the treatment bench as we speak with his foot in plaster and he's the only one that scored goals for us okay. in the last couple of games. So that would leave a returning Christian Benteke. Now, those cynics amongst us could look at that two ways. This could be uh, the returning Christian Ben Deke, who had, last season for Palace couldn't hit a barn door with a banjo, okay? Uh, mm -hmm. Or it could be that he comes on and spoils the party at Anfield and uh, affects the the destination of the uh, Premier League. He could, you know, and, and it depends on what service he gets. Under the four-five-one system, we're getting lots of 
balls into the box, and that's what he needs. And that's what he needs. Uh, if he can get the service, the relevant service, uh, Christian Benteke could be a threat to you, uh, but also he could be a weakness as well to us, okay, because he's completely without match fitness, although he did come on, uh, I think he came on in the 55th minute on Saturday. So, um, so at least he's had some time, some time on the pitch. And in fairness to Benteke, and I'm not his biggest fan, in fairness to Benteke, he came on and he made a bloody nuisance of himself. He, he was really putting himself about on Saturday and he was unlucky a couple of times not to score. Well, that's, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I remember as well uh, Ben Teke scoring a couple of goals against Liverpool at Anfield a few, couple of years ago, right? Two seasons ago, was it? I think um, Palace managed to scrape a 2-1 win or something that day. I can't remember exactly, but uh, yes. I'll give you another example in reverse. Uh -huh. I also remember Christian Ben Teke tripping over his own feet in the box at Sellers Park and winning a penalty for the, uh, which Liverpool went on to win a game a couple of seasons ago at Sellers Park, which I've never forgiven for anyway. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, sounds about right for that guy. But, uh, well, thank you very much, Nick. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to this last uh, 15 minutes. It's been very illuminating. Thank you very, very much again. Uh, um, you know, uh, any, uh, I don't know, so prediction then, you think you think three or four nil? In... Yeah, I think, yeah. again, I think... Um, I think Liverpool will win the game uh, and probably win the game quite comfortably. I would be surprised if we didn't score and Zaha has been on a bit of a goal drought recently. So I would go. my prediction for this weekend would be 3-1 Liverpool. 3-1, mm, says Nick Philpott from Red and Blue News. That would certainly put the cherry on our tart, wouldn't it, Reds fans? Absolutely brilliant of Nick to join us and uh, give us his thoughts on the Palace there. Thank you to him. This is Cop On Podcast. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Cop On Podcast. You can support us on patreon.com forward slash Cop On Podcast or send us your hate, unfiltered hate, to coponpodcast at gmail.com. Next up, we've got Darren Wilde. I'm delighted to say Darren is back with us and uh, we're going to talk about the Brighton match and lots of other things. Do hope you enjoy, as ever. Uh, thank you so much for listening, you, the lovely listener. Let's get into that. Let's let's start with uh, Brighton. I mean, John Aldridge su summed it up absolutely beautifully on Twitter. He said this was a proper, dirty, horrible, ugly win. And that's exactly what it was. My favourite kind of win, in fact. Um, it was our fifth 1-0 of the season... Um, Mo Salah has scored the goal in four of those 1-0 wins. And the other one, of course, was the mighty Divock Origi. Um, coming into that match, obviously we'd lost the previous one against Manchester City. Um, were you nervous uh, at all, Darren? Were you keeping it together before the match? How did you feel before Brighton? I was nervous. I mean, I, I did think that we would have a nervy win. I mean, I, I did I did think we would win, um, but a nervy one. And I think it played out that way. You know, the fact that we uh, we we got our goal and um, threw uh, a penalty, and uh, you know, they all count as one, don't they? So I mean, I think that uh, that uh, getting the three points was the most important thing, regardless of how we played. But um, I thought we we seemed to play better than Brighton. Uh, I think last year we 
probably would have drawn that game if not um, if not lost it. So I think that uh, you know we have improved, and um, I was uh, I was nervous but um, but confident we would probably win it. You're absolutely yeah. I mean you 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 called it absolutely marvellously, didn't you? Before in our in our preview before the match by saying it would be a a. a close match and indeed it was but uh, you know I'm so glad we, we avoided um, defeat uh, there is that stat going around that we uh, we haven't lost back-to-back Premier League games for 40 months which is actually going back to September 2015 we lost to West Ham 3-0 at Anfield Oof. and then Manchester United we lost at Old Trafford 3-1 with when Ben Teke did an overhead kick so it means that Jurgen Klopp has never lost back-to-back Premier League games which is an incredible record isn't it I mean that's something that I've looked at other teams with with envy the fact that they bounce back bounce back United were experts at it under Ferguson for example and uh, it just seems like we've got it we've got it now we've got this mentality this this mental strength going through the team um I mean is that just I mean it can't be just luck that record after 40 months there must be doing something right and uh I don't know would you agree that it's it's, yeah. it's all about mental strength Absolutely. I think it is about mental strength. I think, you know, um, Jurgen Klopp's been in the position before in the Bundesliga. So, I mean, he knows he knows what to do in, in, in those situations, you know, being being top and, and under pressure. I think, you know, we've got a good blend of experience and uh, and youthfulness in, in the team. You know, uh, you know, they are uh, generally all, you know, our first team, you know, are generally all kind of, you know, first team internationals. And um, and so have that experience and, and have been at other clubs, um, you know, where they uh, and and in the Premier League, you know, if not um, with other international teams. And so I think, uh, you know, I think we have got a good blend of uh, youth and ex- and experience, uh, even though it's a very young team, you know, overall. And um, uh, and I think that that you know comes with the added benefit that you know when we are under pressure this year we do seem to be holding on and grinding them out because there has been a few games where we've you know where we've uh, we've nicked a win where last season again we would have either drawn it or lost it i mean the 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 cater um uh, uh cross uh, cross field ball that uh, you know in the last few minutes that got put out and um and almost cost us you know i think that um, on another day uh, in another season, you know that would have drawn Brighton level, um, and uh, and we'd have dropped a couple of points. So yeah, so you know, good, good. You're absolutely right, and it, that's the thing that really pleased me. I mean, talking about the the uh, the action of the game itself. I mean, it really. It really pleased me. It was just lots of that was Vianeldum who stopped their counter attack in the last minute after Cater played that silly pass to Origi. Um, but uh, you know it wasn't just Vianeldum who saved us. It was Trent had a, a little flick, Fabinho magic tackle that's you know saved a goal. And it's that kind of resilience and last ditch defending and concentration that we've really shown. Um, you know, such great improvement uh, since, uh, for example, Virgil van Dijk joined the team. We'll talk a bit um, more about him later. I just want to concentrate on the game itself, really. I mean, five 
one nils this season. This one, I mean, the first half finished nil nil, and it was uh, it was it was as stale as a politician's platitude. I found it was just absolutely turgid, horrible. I loved it. I mean, I loved this kind <laughs> of game. Um, although we needed some kind of you know magic dust in the second half, but they were always likely to tire, and um, you know we you know open we could open them up a little bit. Um, but they were I thought they were very good, Brighton. They were extremely organised, a four-five-one uh, formation, very compact, defensive. It was difficult for us. Um, but the positives, of course, let's start with the main man Mo Salah dancing around the box and winning a penalty. It was a penalty again, wasn't it, Darren? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think if anything, it was more of a penalty than perhaps the um, the other two that, are, that have been under dispute in recent weeks. I mean, you can clearly see. I mean, to be fair, when I first saw the um, when I first saw it, it didn't look it looked a bit cheap. You know, and uh, but then when you see it from from over his shoulder, uh, and you know uh, you're looking at the back of the of the um, of the Brighton defender, you can you can see clearly the tug on the the shirt arm, you know, which um, off you know which sets him off balance. And so I think that you know for me it was a penalty. I think that uh, the commentators at the time called it a penalty. Match of the day said it was a penalty. And, um, you know, I'm not sure any of the pundits have, have questioned whether it was definitely a penalty or not. You know, they may have said uh, that it might have been soft, but, um, it, you know, a soft penalty is a penalty, isn't it? I think I, I, I would say so. I would say so. And we've missed a lot of those calls over the past couple of years. So it's good to see that we're, we're finally getting them. But Mo Salah is the kind of player who's who's got, you know, he's got magic in his boots. But he's also, you know, he's 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 tough. He's a tough cookie, as they say. I mean, he's the whole box of cookies. He's 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 just got such intelligence, speed of thought, speed of movement, and uh, he's the Premier League's equal joint top scorer on 14 goals uh, with uh, Kane and Obama Yang. How do you think he compares to them in terms of style and what he brings to us compared to what Obama Yang brings Arsenal or that Kane brings Tottenham? Well, I mean, he's got a, he's got a, he's got a better passing stats than either Kane, you know, or Aubameyang, um, and you know he has uh, played you know as many games, you know, so I think it's it's fair to be able to compare them. You know, I think that um, he uh, you know, he is uh, not quite as um, as prolific uh, as um, as uh, Harry Kane in terms of his um, aerial uh, challenges, you know, and so he's kind of more of a get the ball on the ground and uh, and, and get the ball away type of um, type of player. But I think that, you know, he's scoring the goals. Um, he, um, you know, he, I think he, he rates, you know, better than Aubameyang in terms of his, um, his stats. So I think, you know, overall, Overall, you know, you'd want Salah in your team as opposed to the other two. Now, you know, if you were going to throw Eden Hazard into the mix, then you know you've got a, a more of a you know a more difficult difficult question then because they are you know they are uh, very comparable and you know while Hazard's passing ability is you know far superior, um, his um, you know his his goals 
he's not scoring as many goals this you know in comparison so you know it's it's a difficult one to uh, difficult one to balance i think yeah hazard i think he's got something like 10 goals and 10 assists yeah. Compared to Salah, was it 14 goals and seven assists assists. or something? That's right, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. so, uh, I mean, they're both, you know, amazing players. But, uh, yeah, maybe Hazard's playing for a different thing this season. He's maybe, we've been saying this for years, but maybe playing for a move away. I think it finally might happen this summer. And, uh, I mean, I love to see Eden Hazard play in the Premier League. He's really lit it up, but I hate it when he plays against us. He always scores. He always has a great game. And I saw, um, well, I saw, I saw a, uh, I saw a report that um, United were interested in him, and um, uh, and that would be uh, unfortunate if he uh, went to another Premier League team. Um, you know, I think if he's if he's going to go, I think I, you know, I think I'd, I'd I'd like him to go to Spain. Well, yeah, absolutely. Um, and you would think he would after. But well, I suppose loyalty is gone in football in a lot of footballers' heads. But, uh, you know, after so many years at Chelsea, you would think you wouldn't join them for a rival. But then I heard on the on the gutter show with the excellent The Anfield rap, uh, Rob Gutman talking about a rumour of, of Coutinho to Man United. Yeah, so I don't I know. that too, yeah. Silly season. That's what they call it, isn't it? This is this is batshit crazy season. This is complete. This is bananas season. I don't know what it is. Um, but yes, Mo Salah. I mean, he's just incredible, isn't he? What a great performance again. He missed that chance. It was a very difficult chance. It was fired at his left foot and he almost got it in. Uh, I think people have been saying that's a worse miss than actually was, I think. But yeah. uh, Mo Salah, obviously, is crucial to us. But the other player I would like to talk about is Big Virgil. Um, I mean, it's a bit of a, I don't know, a bit of an odd question, I suppose, because they're both extremely important and we're just so happy that they're both Reds. But if you had to choose, you know, I wouldn't say a gun to your head, that's too serious, but uh, if uh, someone put a haddock in front of your face and would slap you if you didn't make the decision, then if you had to make a decision, who is more important to us, Mo or Virgil? Uh, well, I think we have had, I think I've, I've kind of said this before, I would take Virgil van Dijk over Mo Salah, unfortunately for Mo, I think uh, he would have to, he would have to move on and, and find another club. Um, it's not that I, uh, I mean, it's not that I don't want him, of course, and, uh, and you know, it's uh, difficult choosing between your two favourite children, um, but um, yeah, I would, um, yeah, I would take van Dijk. I think, I think, and the reason why is because you know we've got goals throughout the team, and I think and I think that um, you know we've we have always uh, as a, as a club found goal scorers, whether it's Suarez, Fowler, Owen, you know, uh, and and even you know from midfield, you know, with um, with, with Gerard, and um, you know, and I think that um, you know we're we're able to find and attract goal scorers. The challenge for us has been you know to have. And, and I think the challenge for a lot of teams is to have a steady, solid centre half, you know. And I think that um, you know, getting Virgil Van Dijk uh, and and you know somebody of his quality, you know, it's you know he's not the kind of player that comes along you know that often. And so I think uh, you know he's made such a difference to our season 
in terms of resilience and and our ability to convert those those draws into into victories and and those uh, those shaded losses again into into victories. You know, I think um, you know we um, you know we you know we I just don't think we would we would be the same team this season without him. Virgil Van Dyke, the Dutch monster, our colossus. Uh, it was his 50th match for Liverpool, and in that time, we've kept 24 clean sheets, which is unbelievable. We've had 33 wins, uh, and so have Andy Robertson and Trent, but 33 wins out of 50, pretty damn good. His pass success is the best in the club, 88.64% in that time, and he's also the top at duels, clearances, interceptions and blocks and uh, the last fact I have about him was that he was a big part of us going 918 consecutive minutes at Anfield without conceding a single goal basically he's humongous he's he's I, I mean would I choose him or Salah I think I still think Salah is underrated. I still think he's up there with the best players uh, I've ever seen play for Liverpool. Um, uh, but so is Virgil. So I, I. But if there was a haddock wafted in front of my face with a threat of a slap, if I don't make a decision, yeah, I'll probably, I, I'll probably go with you, Darren, because I love clean sheets and I love horrible defensive wins like against Brighton so yeah well let's keep Virgil um another great defender Andy Robertson another great performance by him um for me he's the best in the world his qualities are numerous uh, he barely makes a mistake these days um my worry my question um can he go on forever this season I mean it's not impossible to play a whole season uh, Jordi Alba does it I think for Barcelona at an incredibly high standard can he do it Darren I mean are you worried about injury can you rest him if so are you resting him for who yeah I think that's uh, I think that because he's not the kind of player who has to uh, get involved in any crunching tackles um, he, um, he, he, you know, will get be, you know, we'll be protected from some of those kind of impact injuries that um, defenders tend to to pick up, and um, and so I think uh, because he is such a fine specimen of a man, then uh, you know, and an athlete, I think that um, he he should last, and um, and he, he has been rested, you know, he has been rested a, a little, I think, um, you know, he's he's um, uh, he's had some opportunities, and um, and the fact that uh, you know we're out of the FA Cup, we're out of the Carabao Cup, and uh, I think there'll be uh, less games for him to play overall. So, uh, you know, I think uh, yeah, I'm pretty confident he'll be able to score all season. That's a very good point. Yeah, about the lack of impact injury. Yeah, yeah, it's a very good point. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I just worry about his muscles. It, it, apparently, he's paid 91% of all of Liverpool's minutes this season. So, yes, he's had a little bit of rest. But, uh, yes, I mean, fingers crossed, let's just say. Um, a guy who played in defence, uh, Fabinho, at centre-back, his second game after Wolves, uh, was, uh, you know, after Wolves was the Brighton game at centre-back. I thought he did brilliantly. 
um, you know, he showed his, his amazing qualities, his calmness on the ball, his versatility, um, uh, his vision. Uh, and when Brighton is sitting back so deep, it's great to have another person who can switch the play with long diagonals, who can play, you know, zippy passes through the lines. Um, I thought he was superb. Um, I, I think you did you say that you've you've had a look at him in comparison with with other centre backs for us? Is that right? Yeah, I mean, I was I was looking at him in comparison to um, you know to Lovren, for example. No, and um, and and you know, Lovren still kind of has a um, you know has a a better uh, passing um, ability. You know, in 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 comparison, I think uh, you know passing percentage for uh, Fabino is um, eighty three. Uh, percent and um, Lovren's is 86 percent you know so you know you wouldn't think that from from playing out from the back was Lovren's strength but you know he has a you know he, and he's only slightly slightly less than Virgil van Dijk who's uh, 89 percent uh, well nearer 90 percent um, in terms of passing percentage and um, you know Lovren's better in the air at winning you know his, his uh, aerial duels one is is higher than than uh, Fabino's uh, overall and so you know I think um, whether that's a sign of Lovren's experience you know in that in that position uh, you know or uh, or you know Fabino um, uh, having other strengths I mean he's a he's a he's a you know better offensive player you know key dribbles and and you know and and, uh, and getting uh, assists you know but um but I think that uh, he played remarkably well against Brighton. You know, he he won four out of four of his aerial duels. You know, against Brighton, and I think overall, you know, showed that um, he is a uh, he is a capable understudy. And um, and I think that uh, you know, if we uh, you know we're struggling in the defensive area, I think um, he, he slots in nicely because he is more of a defensive midfielder than an attacking midfielder. And so I think uh, his natural game is to um, is to protect the back four. So I think that, uh, you know, sitting further back would suit him. Mm, It's great to have that, isn't it? It's great to have that versatility. Um, Yeah, it'd be super if we could get maybe a left-sided, a person who could play left wing and left back, you know, that's why I was pre-season, you know, someone like Ryan Sessegnon, even though he hasn't set the Premier League alight as much as I thought he would. But, uh, you know, someone of that profile, it gives you, you know, yes, exactly. It shows the the benefit of versatility in the squads where you don't have the resources of Man City, for example. But uh, anyway, okay, so, you know, the next match, Crystal Palace on Saturday, we're going to have this now. I mean, we, we, we have these two two sirens calling us from the rucks uh, of, you know, the sirens being one for the Premier League, one for the Champions League. But there's a lot of space between the games now. Um, How can you possibly handle it? How are you handling it? Because for me, I find it's just, you know, when I look forward to Crystal Palace, it's like, it just seems like a gargantuan match again. Um, How can I... How can I be calm, Darren? How how can I keep my head on? Well, I mean, we we we've done well against Crystal Palace. I mean, we've had notable uh, notable exceptions. I think in the uh, in the season uh, of the uh, Gerard slip, I think that last game. But um, I think uh, 
I think we, uh, you know, we we should we should beat Crystal Palace. I mean, they've not got a great home record, I don't think, and um, you know, they're the the bookies Liverpool are the bookies favourite to win I think uh, and, and the fans favourite to win I mean I play Sky Sports Super 6 and uh, and Liverpool are 95% likely to win according to uh, you know other score predictors so uh, you know and with 6-1 to one to beat them 3-0 so I think uh, you know uh, we should um, we we uh, yeah, we should we should be okay. I'm not too I'm not too nervous. I think uh, getting Brighton out of the way and um, and uh, and having a uh, you know having a, a, a kind of that that monkey off our back you know means we can uh, go into the next game you know on the back of a uh, of a uh, of a winning streak of one. Well, how? Yeah, but but how did Sky Super Six? What did it say about Manchester City at the Etihad playing Crystal Palace? I'm sure it would have been about 99%. And that's the thing about football. I mean, they played that game 100 times. City would win 99 times. Palace won. And it was the one. (laughs) It was the one just before Christmas. And it was an incredible Christmas present for us. But maybe that will play to our advantage, the fact that City have already slipped on that banana skin. So there is no chance of complacency. But um, one thing I like about Klopp, though, is that he's... He seems to have this anti-complacency thing where he's he's on it and he, he, he talks about it in pretty much every press conference, how he wants us to fight. He wants us to stop, at, you know, taking games lightly as we may have done in the past. Um, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, well, I think you're right. I mean, again, you know, he's, he's, he, he has a, um, you know, he has the experience, you know, he has the experience of leading from the front, you know, with a team who, you know, who would, would be um, unlikely league winners. And so I think that he knows, uh, you know, it's, it, it's a common cliche, isn't it? One game at a time, but I think that he, he knows enough um, about his time as a manager to uh, keep the team level headed and know that, you know, we've just got to rack up the points. So I think that, uh, you know, he's not complacent uh, and he knows that, um, well, he can't be, can he? He can't be complacent. He knows how good City are as a team. And and so I think, you know, anybody who looks at, at our uh, position and thinks that uh, we are still uh, 100% likely to win the league is, is kidding themselves because... You know, as City have shown in December, a couple of losses and things flip, and that's why um, you know, and that's and, that, and that's why I think he'll be drilling that home um, to, uh, to to the squad. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. Finally, then, Darren, what's a what's a what's a score prediction? You convinced me this is going to be easy. Three nil, four nil. What do you think? I think they will score. Um, I do think they'll score. I think our defence, uh, whilst uh, it is slightly uh, under strength, may may we may concede, uh, but um, I think we will again have too much fire firepower for them, and uh, we will win three one. I think um, just to pick up on your point on the, the Man City game, you know, don't forget there was two worldies of goals in that particular game. Uh, Townsend and I can't remember who scored their first goal, but um, again they were two absolutely special goals, and um, and Crystal Palace are unlikely to score uh, two like that again this season. 
Thank you so much to Darren there. Absolutely lovely that he joined us again uh, for episode 22 of Cop on Podcast. This is pretty much the end. Uh, thanks to Tu Fu, the 8th century Chinese poet who uh, gave us the opening lines. Um, you may have noticed I added a little bit about the Champions League and the Premier League, but I'm sure that's what he meant when he was talking about the peak, the great I'm going to try and keep myself together um, at least until Saturday kickoff, and then I'm going to be a, just a bundle of energy and nervousness. Uh, Liverpool, we're still top of the league. We're still four points clear. Um, that's terrific, isn't it? Mm. Thank you 